On this Aviation Special, we sit down with Vixa CEO Dave Labuskas, take a look at Infocom 2021, ahead to 2022, and what the industry looks like from the CEO's chair. All that and more next on this Aviation Special. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is an Aviation special, a look at Infocom and Avixa in 2022. This is an Aviation special. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host, the young man on the other side of the microphone and quite literally the, the internet for me. His name is David Labuskas. He is the CEO of Avixa. Welcome, sir. Tim, always a pleasure to see you. Always please, good to see you. I've seen you an awful lot in the last couple of months, which I am not complaining about, uh, both physically in person and virtually. Um, you and I are sitting down a couple of weeks after Infocom. Um, you were very, very kind and, and came by the, the studio there um, at, the, at the show in Orlando. We talked a little about, about the show then. Um, however, that was on Friday uh, of the show, and, and not for nothing, but there is a certain an element of, of you know endorphins running at that moment in time, and it, you, you were actually having a show for the first time in, in a year and a half. Um, I asked you then if it was a success. You, you've you've gotten a little bit sobered up, not liquor sobered up, but you know, uh, a little bit of, of separation. Numbers and everything, and attendance and everything, and, and exhibitors and, and folks that you've heard from. Do you still think, or do you think, you, do you still think that it was a success? And if so, why? I do. I, I am one hundred percent in belief that. Infocom 2021 was a success. It uh, is um, the first time that the industry in North America has been able to gather uh, in any scale whatsoever. Um, we, you used the word endorphins. Um, I don't know about you or your audience in general, but uh, I'll, I'll make a statement. I don't have those type of endorphins running through my body when I'm doing an online event. Um, I, I think online events are great. I think they're fantastic for distributing information, for um, maintaining connections. But what was just so clearly evident through the week that we were in Orlando together is the value of being face-to-face. -face. So so you have the value, you have the excitement, you have the endorphins, but you know, you also, uh, you, you need to look at the commerce of the event and uh, identify, was there a return on investment for the exhibitors that were there? And with very few exceptions, um, and incidentally, there's always exceptions. There's never a situation that I've ever had where everybody has been happy with something we've done. Um, the, the exhibitors found great value in being there. And the attendees that were there came with money in their pocket, money in their handbag, and they did business. A number of exhibitors you know, shared with us that you know their booth was paid for in the first three hours. Um, nobody knew for sure. Uh, yeah. And you can, you can pick any type of reference to... Uh, identify whether it was a success or a failure, but I think ultimately you you sit back and you look at the participants of the show. So that's our vendors, that's the community itself, it's the 
AV community, the attendees and the exhibitors, and uh, overwhelmingly well-received and appreciated. I want to relate to you a story, uh, mainly because I don't assume that you watch anything that, that I do. Um, we, we had on Chaz Porter from FSR about a week ago on AV Week, and um, it happened to coincide with, with the, the, the timing was uh, around uh, the release of a press release you guys put out about the, the, the number of attendees, uh, the number of folks who, who came versus the number of people who registered. And, and Chaz relayed uh, a story about he and I, right? Uh, the, the day job that I have is, is I'm CMO of, of CTI Integrator out of St. Louis. We had a booth uh, kind of within striking distance of FSR. And, and Chaz relayed this story where he and I both kind of showed up on the Friday prior to the event to set up our, our respective booths. And I am paraphrasing here, but, but he says in, in general, uh, we showed up on Friday to this ginormous, virtually kind of empty space. Uh, if, if you've never been into the, the convention center prior to build, booths being built up, it is kind of an empty space. Um, but even seeing some of, of where the, the outlines were, and, and Chaz's, uh, Chaz's statement was, oh my God, what have I done? Meaning that I have committed our, our company to this um, financial commitment, to this time commitment, but then he says, by the end of, of the week, and, and actually by the, by the time Tuesday rolls around, which is when the, the booths were pretty well built, and he could see exactly what was going to, to, to be there for, as far as exhibitors, and he says, by the end of the week, not only was he glad that he and FSR exhibited, again, they had, they had gotten an ROI uh, as well. And, that, and in fact, they had actually, this has caused them to change some of their design for Infocom uh, 22 because of the success of, of this design. He specifically said he had an ROI. You mentioned the fact that you, a couple of folks have, have mentioned to you they, they had an ROI. CTI, as, as the chief marketing officer, I can tell you that we had an ROI, a return on investment. We invested X amount. We got that back. But when you say ROI as a general statement, and you're talking to different people, and different people's ROI is different, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that that resonates with folks who didn't come, who didn't exhibit, who chose not to, and say, oh, hey, you know, maybe we missed out, or maybe their ROI is different than the people who actually did exhibit? Well, I, I've, I have had conversations with uh, a lot of the community that wasn't there. Um, I'm not sure... Uh, how many people would look at me and say, hey, Dave, I'm really glad I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, we have to sort of like... That's fair. Respect the, the validity of the sample. But yeah. the people I talked to said, you know, from the looks of it, it was amazingly successful. I wish we had come. Um, the other conversations I've had were, um, you know, this this makes it, that much more exciting for us to be looking to 2022 and the various events around the world. Um, I, I, you know, it's an, it's an interesting topic. I, I've spent time, obviously based on what I do for a living, I, I've done a lot of research and analysis and, and trying to identify what is the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for a successful trade show experience. Yeah. Um, and it, it it's remarkable how little definition there is wrapped around quantifying the return on a trade show. 
um, it oftentimes falls down to the um, we need to maintain our brand. We need to maintain our presence. We want to reinforce. But there's also lead gen. Um, if you if you look at the value sort of if here's where I've gotten to. There's from the exhibitor's perspective. There's there's three groups, and as you know, the CMO for CTI. I mean, this might resonate with you. You sort you have you have lead gen, you yep. have brand presence, and you have sales. And that's, Absolutely. There's three different roles and values that are being extracted from a trade show, whether it's our trade show or a trade show on American Sport Fishing Association. You're still you're you're really pulling pieces out of that in your marketing plan that are related to one of those three. And I think I think what we're going to see post uh, as we evolve, I was going to say post pandemic, but I don't know that we'll ever have a post pandemic um, is there's going to be more rigor wrapped around how do you leverage a trade show for lead gen and where do you have more efficient lead gen in other channels? So if you're if you're establishing virtual channels, you're putting in place your own proprietary events, these types of things, does that in fact give you better or more efficient lead gen or not? Um, I think brand, as long as there's a community there and there is an event that's taking place, you're going to want to look to leveraging that event to reinforce your brand, reinforce that which you stand for, how you're committed, how you're positioned in the marketplace. And then sales, that's a no-brainer. I mean, I actually, you, every company, whether they were there or not, their salespeople either were there or wanted to be there, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't question the strength of sales opportunity from a face-to-face -face interaction. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I think it depends on the company, depends on where they are. I mean, I think a lot of the smaller exhibitors or mid-size exhibitors um, were excited to have a sort of a clearer pathway to the attendee than they normally would. Um, I think uh, the larger brands that were there worked through how are they going to be present? How are they going to show a commitment to the industry? Um, and they, you know, again, actually the larger brands that I spoke to all felt that it was absolutely unambiguous with regards to the fact that what they, what they, what they wanted, they got, their expectations were exceeded. And I'm babbling on. You ask me, this is typical for you, Tim. You ask me a 10-word questions, and I talk for 20 minutes. I'm That's sorry. That's why I like interviewing you. <laughs> I, I don't have to talk much. Uh, you, you, one, one thing I, I, that I pulled out of, of Infocom, and, and it's a, it is a catch-22, and I'll 100% admit that, and there might not be a good answer here. Um, and that is the, the idea that both from the exhibitor standpoint and the attendee standpoint, especially the, the tech managers, the, the in-house um, uh, integrators that we talk to, the higher education, Fortune 500, um, they valued the time that they got to spend with exhibitors. Exhibitors valued the, 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 what they considered to be extra time that they were able to spend both with integrators as well as, as uh, technology managers and AV users. How do you uh, how do you replicate that as you also add more I exhibitors to the show floor, which will obviously add more 
attendees to the show floor. So how do we keep that part that so many folks found valuable, but also, the again, Catch-22 here, as we add more exhibitors, well, then that means as an attendee, I have less time because, well, there's 100 more or 500 more folks that I may or may not want to go see. And as the exhibitor side, okay, great, there is 73, 7,500 folks. This year, there'll be 15,000, 20,000, maybe more in 22. So my time is, is, is going to be split even that much more. How do we keep that part that they found valuable while also, you know, returning to, and I will say post-pandemic, because there will become a time where we're out of this, these woods. It may not be 22, but, but there will become a time. Yeah, it is a catch-22, right? I, I, it is, uh, I, I certainly have gotten the feedback from uh, people that, you know, Infocom's gotten too big. And we, we don't have a chance to, to have any real conversations. And I've, I've heard that from exhibitor staff as well as from attendees. Um, I, I think uh, that comes down to personal responsibility and corporate uh, strategy, right? I mean, okay. I think, I think uh, there are um, what one of the perennial pieces of advice we give to attendees every year is plan plan your time. Identify the uh, areas that you want to explore and focus in on those. Set appointments, um, work through your day. I mean, one of the things we all joke about is, you know, how far behind are you in your calendar by 11 o'clock on the first day? And, you know, which meetings end up just being dropped because you, that's the only way to catch back up. Um, I think, I think that will hold true, and I think the you know the exhibitors, the people that are participating on that side of the event, um, already are working very hard to ensure that they carve out time with the key audience that they want to have. Um, this comes down to again brand lead gen and sales, right? And the salespeople set the appointments for their channel. Um, you have people working the stand. So this, the, if you're looking for lead gen, the 30-second the drive-by of 10,000 people is fabulous. If you're looking for establishing brand identity, you need more time. Um, so I, I, it, it becomes a trade-off across the board. I think people find their way through that. And what I tend to hear, most people, even in your, your wrap-up conversations with people, you you hear this um, reserve time to go to the 10 by 10s or spend your first day uh, walking every aisle without stopping or making on contact with anybody just so you can validate what you then want to go back to and spend time at, right? Good luck with that. Yeah, that's not, that's just not even, I mean, you, you and I have both been in this industry a long time. And, and, and one of the things, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell on my, my, my salesperson here because she's fabulous, but this was Paige, uh, Paige Lenikin's first Infocom, right? And e even at that, she has met a couple of, uh, I, well, more than a couple, a, a number of folks in the industry um, through email, through video chats, through, you know, Zoom calls and, 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 and Teams calls. And so as a first timer, she couldn't even do that, right? She couldn't walk down down an aisle and without running into, you know, Megan Dutta or, or Joey or whoever, right? Uh, so yeah, I, and as much as I, I understand that sentiment, I, I don't think that that's practical. At least not anymore. Doesn't um, happen much to me anymore. <laughs> I'm certain. I'm certain. Um, 
you, you, you mentioned something about planning your time and I'm, I'm going to take a, that and, and take a slight detour here. Um, you, every year you sit down with the board and the board evolves and changes over the years. Um, and you guys set out and you, 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 I believe it's in December. You could correct me if I'm wrong. It might be January where you sit out and you say, okay, here's our strategic strategic plan for the next year. And sometimes for the next two or three years, but you, you even, even, even that is massageable, uh, as the years go on. When you look at 22 and you look at what you have, have stated is so self-stated a, 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 a successful, uh, Infocom, a successful trade show. Um, you look ahead to 22, ISC is coming uh, quickly after the first of the year, first week of, of February. Uh, you and I will both will be in Barcelona, assuming that the Spanish government lets us both in uh, for various reasons. Um, <laughs> but you look at the next year, what does that look like to you, both from a VIXA standpoint, but also from the industry standpoint? From a VIXA's perspective, uh, it comes back to this is... You, why do we exist? What is, what is the point of uh, the association? And um, that has held as um, constant uh, and defined uh, probably 2015, 2016. Um, but it's been, it's been in place since 1939. And that is, uh, as now defined, to be a catalyst for market growth, so a force for market growth. Grow the AV industry. We can't grow it ourselves. The participants of the industry grow it by increasing their revenues, by increasing their sales. But we can be a catalyst for that and to be a hub for the AV professional community. Those have remained constant. Um, over the course of time that I've been CEO, we've used five-year, three-year, and one-year planning cadence or sort of rhythm. Uh, where we are currently in is a one-year uh, look ahead. There's there's too much volatility. There's too much that's changing. And um, to, to sit in 2022 and um, define uh, measurable goals for 2025 uh, is is probably not the best use of your strategic thinking. Now, that said, the context of the conversation was completely wrapped around, actually, that's what we constructed was the class of 2025 when we held the board planning meeting, which actually was in July. Um, it takes place in July each year. Um, and we, we created this narrative that we were welcoming back all of those people uh, in uh, 2025 and asking them, you know, to reflect on what had happened over the last couple of years since they first met together in 2021. So we, we sort of took this reverse narrative with the intent of throw away presumptions and iterative planning and instead look at where you would envision the association would be and then work backwards to how did we get there? quote unquote, how did we get there uh, through 2021? That process reaffirmed that the real value we bring is being that catalyst for growth and being the hub for the AV community. Now, what we explored in that is, and it's, it's another you know, hour long conversation is, um, what is the AV market, right? So that 
gets us into, if you want, I don't know if you and I have ever spoken about AV and IT and whether or not they're one or the same or different. Um, I, I jest. We, 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 we've, <laughs> once or twice, once or twice. And I still don't think we agree, but that's okay. <laughs> and I think... And I think you also, and you also have an evolving and changing definition of community. Not only just AV, what is the definition of AV, but what is the definition of community? And how do you leverage the learnings that you've taken from 2020 and 2021 into and beyond into 2025? What is a community? What does a community look like? And this um, is where the board is, is focusing in on um, the audiences that are valuable to our exhibitors and to each other, um, bringing that audience together, increasing the value of that audience to both the audience members as well as to the exhibiting community, um, and ensuring that that audience can engage with each other uh, more than three days a year or 14 days a year if they go to multiple shows um that's what you're going to see and the the what what we are really driving towards is being responsive to the needs of the industry our content and development of curriculum and delivery of learning um while further enhancing our on-demand offerings we're also finding huge appetite for the virtual classroom um, where it is actually a proctored delivered class but it's delivered online um, and there's resurging demand from the industry for in-person classes uh, particularly con contracted classes um, I'm really excited about our certification. I made a quick tease announcement about it during the awards ceremony at Infocom, and we'll be talking about it more. But um, we're moving to online proctored exams, so we're not sacrificing the ANSI ISO accreditation credibility of that credential, um, but we're opening it up to where you don't have to be physically at a Pearson View testing facility to take that exam. Um, that, that's nice to have in the U S that is game changing in much of the world where yeah. there are less locations, more difficulty in traveling. Um, I remember having a conversation with somebody at our Infocom, uh, Mumbai show in 2019 that had taken 27 hours to travel to be at this show, but literally had, uh, ridden on the back of mules and then made their way to a train station that then they were able to then connect to an airport. Uh, I, I mean, it, it, so certain things that we take for granted um, will have broad impact on the industry uh, throughout the world. So the, yeah. the, it's this outreach to where people are, be clear on the audience and develop mechanisms to be able to hear what is wanted and needed and moving the needle. Um, and, and, and it's about continuing the focus, right? Um, when the pandemic hit and our business model was essentially disrupted, blown up, right? Our, yeah. our, our, our business model is essentially 
building on that catalyst for market growth in the hub by delivering trade shows around the world and then um, reinforcing the services that are offered at the trade shows throughout the rest of the year. Um, one of the key areas we had to get really much better at than we had been was focus, right? What What is it of the 12 things that we can justify doing? What is the one that will have the greatest impact? And how do we make sure we invest in that? And how do we have the courage and transparency and strength to say, we're not going to do the other 11? Um, yeah. Because... Not because, and you and I alluded to this a little bit when we talked about the 5K at the at the show. Yep. Um, you know, uh, you, you try things. Everything has a has a noble purpose, but if it if it isn't going to have impact, these types of times, we we all all of us in our businesses have to to be focused on what are the key goals. Yeah, and and what is it that the that the clients and the and the the audience wants? Right. Uh, as we wrap up here, I, I want to hone in on the the catalyst and the and the hub statements. If if you had a, a magic wand and you could wave that magic wand and say this is this has happened, this is Dave Labuskas can make this happen tomorrow. In relation to the hub, in relation to the catalyst conversation, what would you do? Are you trying to set me up to get fired again? Tim? No, I'm not trying to get you. That's what you're doing. You you think I'll ever forget you forget that? <laughs> um, <laughs> Good night. I see the potential for a virtual community that is reinforced by the physical events that reinforce the virtual community, and I I would like to see that exist. Um, I, I I don't. I think we can create the potential for that. And um, we'll be talking a lot about that in 2022. Um, sure. But talking about it and making it work, actually making it exist, um, is the same as essentially starting a new show, a new event. You you have to you have to attract people to participate in it. Uh, you have to attract reason, people that will deliver a reason for people to participate. Um, it's this is the Sort of the old, another conversation I've had since 2013, which is, um, you know, architects, engineers, uh, people don't uh, understand the the value of CTSD, that we should be promoting that more. We should be promoting the CTS to the buying community so that when you get your CTS, you are instantly recognized as um, having the uh, expertise that you should have. And um, the challenge there is, if you don't have any CTS holders in a region, then it's pretty hard to promote people that hold a CTS, right? Yeah. But if you don't have anybody asking for a CTS from the um, AV profession, then there's no motivation to get your CTS, right? So it's a it's an a, a chicken in the egg type thing. The same is in, in, in place for a virtual community. The same is in place for leveraging. But I think, I think that creates an environment where um, providers will have an opportunity to differentiate themselves. Buyers will have an opportunity to learn about the standards, to learn about a CTS, to learn what a CTS means from CTS holders, not from a VIXA, this um, non, non-entity, this, this association. Um, uh, I think 
I think if you can gather the voices that have something to say with those who are searching for information, you you create the uh, genesis of a community. And then if you reinforce that, like uh, page experience, walking down the halls or the aisles and being able to uh, reinforce those virtual relationships with physical relationships, um, you create an environment where you truly are the hub for the AV profession and you truly are a catalyst for market growth. That'll be a great place to stop. Thank you, sir, so much. Dave Labuska, CEO of Avixa. How do people connect with you or uh, Avixa, sir? They can uh, email me at dlabuskas at avixa.org. Uh, our webpage is www.avixa.org. I'm on social media as David Labuskas, uh, Twitter at, at David Labuskas. Uh, you, you, as evidenced, people, people can find me, and I'm here to hear from them. And if you can't find him, you can call me, and I'll, I'll point you. That's right. Uh, especially the Twitters. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. For us, for Aviation, go by our website, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. You'll find programs like this and a host of others, including our two weekly programs. One is called AV Week, it looks like, at the commercial side of the industry, and Resi Week looks at the residential side. All that and more at aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv.